Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at Outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Alex McRill, who is the chief marketing officer at Hype and Dexter. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Hi, Saksham. Great to be here. Thank you. So, Alex, we're going to start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice. You get two passes. In case you don't want to answer the question, you can just say pass but try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only, okay? Got it. All right, so the first one is, at what age do you want to retire? 55. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? 40 minutes. Most embarrassing moment of your life? Um, I once tried to vault a bar outside a nightclub and there was a queue of people watching me as I cracked my nuts on the bar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Favorite color? Blue. What time of day are you most inspired? Nighttime. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Seven. Fill in the blank. An upcoming marketing trend is blank. AI. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Blackpool. Pick one, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. The biggest mistake of your career. Pass. How do you relax? Music. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Never more than three. A habit of yours that you hate. Uh, pass. The most valuable skill you've learned in life? Uh, to value and elevate those around you. And the last one is your favorite Netflix show. Oh, uh, Ozark. Okay. Oh, but that's the end of the rapid fire round. I think you just had two passes or something. So that was quite good. Uh, now we can go on to the long form questions. And these you can answer with as much ease and time as you like. Great. The first one is, can you share some insights on how you have helped your clients with email marketing campaigns in the past? Oh, gosh, yeah. So I've um, got quite a background in email marketing. In fact, one of my partners bills <clears throat> me as uh, New Zealand's biggest spammer, <laughs> <laughs> which goes back to a, a company we worked out, which had one of the, the largest email marketing databases in the country. And, and we emailed them twice a day. And that came to 1.2 million emails a day. So over 8 million mm -hmm. emails a week. Uh, were sent out. Um, when we started Hype and Dexter, we had a client who uh, was a tourism operator and they collected emails as part of the, um, the sign-up process when people embarked on the experience. They didn't do anything with it except for send one follow-up email with some photos from the experience. Mm -hmm. And they had accumulated um, over 100,000 emails from all around the world, all kinds of people um, over a number of years. Um, and they wanted to do something with it. First of all, I was gobsmacked that they they'd waited five years to do something with it. Um, but we managed to uh, take that list of a, a hundred odd thousand contacts and um, segment it in a meaningful way. So who had, who, had, who had been signed up most recently, who had been signed up most frequently, done the experience multiple times, who was likely and therefore was likely to be, to be local uh, and responsive to an offer to do the experience again or an enhanced version of the experience. So that was the offer we went out with. Um, and we managed to retain something like 92,000 uh, of just over 100,000 emails in terms of there was a meaningful response. It was deliverable. Um, and over the course of a program of emails, we, we got at least one open. 
Um, side effect of that was we, we made over half a million dollars in revenue just just in trying to re- uh, warm up that database. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that was that was quite a big uh, quite a big win because yeah the, the the brief was save as much of this database as you can. We 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 saved um, you know a huge amount over ninety percent and and we made them some money in the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, to what extent would you be happy or willing to let us use the phrase "New Zealand's biggest spammer" for marketing <laughs> this episode? Because I think that would be a great way of getting an audience. I, I actually. don't mind. It's definitely tongue in cheek, <laughs> and I, I think people quickly yeah. realize that. <laughs> That's really it. So, marketer of the month for this month with New Zealand's biggest spammer. Is it biggest or greatest? What is the uh, phrase biggest? That, is the billing biggest? Yeah. Is the one okay? <laughs> All right. So, so in your experience, what are some common mistake that businesses make? with their content marketing or email marketing strategy? Oh, I love this question. And I, I see that the same two mistakes uh, all the time, even after all these years of content marketing becoming quite a sort of mainstream uh, marketing um, methodology. Uh, so number one would be, as a business, writing about what's important to us. We care about this thing we're going to write about. We're really knowledgeable in this area. We can go really in depth. We can write about it really well. But it all counts for nothing if your customer doesn't care about it, or they're they're earlier in the journey than than they would um, even even be aware that they should be, you know, digesting this kind of content. Uh, we, we've all gone to websites, and you know, there's huge about us sections, and the blog is very much you know about us and our people, and our team, and our culture, and our delivery, and things like this. These are not answering the burning questions that are on your customer's mind, unless they're right at the end of the buying journey, like looking to decide whether to do business with you, which of course 99% of your target audience are not. They're they're somewhere earlier in that journey towards becoming your customer. So the second thing I would say is uh, writing, assuming that everyone is is at that stage of the buyer's journey, uh, and, and all your calls to action, you you know you 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 bring people uh, to your site with your content, or you you push ads out and you get them to your content, the call to action is almost always buy now, book a demo, start a free trial, talk to sales, these kinds of things. When, as I say, the journey that your customer's on dictates that they, they're going through phases that we like to call awareness, consideration, decision. There's a call to action that is far more relevant based on where they probably are in that journey. If it's awareness, it might just be to digest more content, to digest, um, content that helps move them to consideration stage where it's okay now i'm aware of the problem i'm trying to solve and what the options might be to solve it show me some options you know is a provider a provider b solution a solution b and if we can own that narrative and, and guide the customer through the journey then we can own them at that point where they're ready to engage with talk to sales as a, as a call to action uh, but yeah we we can't we can't neglect what is most important in our customer's mind in our content that should be absolutely paramount if we can if we can answer their questions solve their problems even if they're things that our product doesn't solve but we have knowledge in and we know our customers um, are trying to solve this problem along the way that's what we should be aiming to do so to what extent is this marketing function going to be usurped by programs like chat gpt or ai where the questions can just be asked and the knowledge gotten immediately oh <laughs> that's a tough one i i i, I guess there's a way to go before an AI can seek to imitate or infiltrate the IP that we who deem ourselves experts might have. So mm-hmm. I guess it comes back to one of those core tenets of inbound. You should imbue your content with 
probably more intellectual property than you would normally be willing to give away for free. You should be a little bit uncomfortable with the amount you give away. I mean, that's, that's always been true, but even more so now, that is our unique human advantage that we have intellectual property that eventually AIs, if we put enough of our IP out there on the internet and it's available for, for scraping and for AIs to, to learn from, uh, they might get there. But right now we still have that advantage. And so what about businesses that are just starting out? Uh, how do you approach inbound marketing for such businesses? Yeah, well, inbound really starts and it is built on a foundation of, of understanding your, your customer, understanding their unique goals and challenges, and understanding the journey that they might go on towards purchasing your product or service. Uh, in, in practical terms, that means developing a buyer persona, buyer profile, and mapping their customer journey. This can be really hard if... If the business is truly just starting out and they don't have customers, um, you might have to retrofit. Who do we think our customers are? But in order to do that, really, you should go all the way back to market and product research, define your USP and your product market fit. Um, we understand not all businesses have that luxury of spending time and money in the research phase. So we we try and understand the product and who it, it's best going to fit in terms of a customer. And then we find people like that in terms of in, in B2B, their role or their organization um, that they represent or in B2C, what makes them tick and, and what is it that they're, you know, they're motivated by. And then we can craft a persona from there. Of course, ideally we'll engage a business when they've got some idea of who the customer is. Um, and we can, we can look at data, interview those customers, especially if they've got high value customers who purchase all the time or purchase uh, more often, uh, more expensive uh transactions uh they're the people we want to talk to why 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 did you decide on on engaging this business why do you keep purchase from what's good about it who else did you consider along the way and, and what steered you towards um this decision what brings you back um i'd say as well start creating content organic content right away we all know organic content is a marathon not a sprint the sooner you can start the, the better you should have started yesterday but we'll start today and we'll we'll just start pumping out content and, and we'll we'll measure and we'll test and we'll see what works. We can be backed by research, you know, that, that consumer um, lens, but we can also look at keyword research and, and other trending topics and things like this as well to understand what the, the broader market is probably interested in. Start writing content that answers those questions or, you know, is likely to be found in the, in the most popular searches. Um, and re remembering that organic content isn't static, like it can be updated, it can be enhanced, it can be optimized. We can add content offers and lead generation uh, devices to it as well. And I'd say the next thing to do would be create a really high value content offer. So in Inbound, we talk a lot about offers. Um, that's not your typical uh, you know, retail or e-commerce offer, 10% off free shipping. It can be that if that's the business. Uh, but more often than not, it's a free template or free guide, free ebook, a quiz or calculator, something to interact with that gives us an excuse to say, hey, would you mind giving us your email? Um, so create a really high value content offer to generate leads. And, and again, that core tenant, giving away a little more intellectual property than you probably feel totally comfortable with is a great way to go. When we started Hypendexter, we basically gave away our entire uh, marketing methodology in a, in a course of 10 emails. 
and it was good because we we're right at the start so it helped us define and get it down on the page this is this is how we're going to tackle inbound marketing for our clients we put it all down in a series of emails each one was was quite in depth but linked off to blogs and templates and we gave away all the same templates that we we use when we're working with a client to develop their inbound strategy the key thing is you'd be crazy to try and take this on yourself it's almost like you know you should be blinded by the science of it like kudos to you if you can pick that up and all the information's there all the resources there but kudos to you if you can pick that up and run with it because it's a lot of work we hope that you'll realize in reading this how much work it actually is and maybe it's easier to engage us and there'll be a version of that in your business if you're just starting out or if you're a highly you know established business doesn't matter there'll there'll be some intellectual property or something that you can give away that is meaningful and tangible but ultimately brings the customer back to your door mm. so speaking of unique challenges can you tell me about a time when a client came to you with a specific marketing challenge how did you approach that problem and what was the outcome yeah it's a tough one um i can't think of a, a specific client or situation i might just talk about my sort of approach to this scenario where it's um it's a specific challenge to solve um, so I think when you're presented with a specific challenge, the first thing to ask is why, and you might have to ask why five times to get to the root of the problem. Quite often, we haven't fully understood, you know, we know the outcome we're trying to achieve, but we haven't understood the root of the problem or the underlying cause of the root of the problem. So we, we have to, as consultants, we have to dig pretty deep. Uh, and, and you can ask yourself this if you, if you don't have the, the benefit of a consultant or an agency to engage regroup internally what what is it we're solving this for what is the outcome we we first of all we all agreed on the outcome that we want to reach and then let's start peeling the onion let's start understanding the the layers and and the root causes of this problem um i'd say it goes back to that that inbound process as well do we have research do we have any data ideally you'd have some some actual in market battlefield tested data to back up any decisions that you're going to make or to validate any assumptions that you might have made. Failing that, you'd have some some auxiliary research. First party research is, is great, but third party research, if it's not available to you, and then really get under the skin of what it is that you're trying to solve and why. Uh, and, and then start testing. Start testing, you, you'll, you'll in the process, you'll identify two, three, four, five potentially bottlenecks in in the customer journey or whatever it is you're solving for the campaign journey the sales process the customer service experience and start tweaking it start monitoring it making little adjustments and see what has the biggest impact and then redouble your efforts on that area that has the biggest impact mm -hmm. so could you give us an example of one inbound marketing campaign that you or, or like a story about an inbound marketing campaign that was interesting for you yeah, I think the best inbound marketing campaigns are what I call evergreen. Uh, and I've engaged a lot of clients who they're pretty sold on the inbound approach, but what they're trying to achieve is quite sort of tactical or seasonal. And it's often not the right um, kind of campaign for inbound to be really effective. I think if you're thinking inbound, you should be thinking long term and you should be thinking evergreen. What's an evergreen topic something that is always relevant not just something that's relevant right now or at least something that's going to be relevant for now and for a few years into the future are we prepared to to kind of um 
set our stall out on a specific topic and, and really own it um, long term. And that's where I've seen the inbound methodology and, and, and even down to individual campaigns work best. So we work with uh, Suzuki, which is, of course, great, great logo to have on our, on our roster. Um, and we've developed a piece of content for them, which has been in market for about two years. It's had a couple of visual refreshes, uh, a lot of copy refreshes to keep it you know, relevant. Um, and it, it keeps going. It keeps going. We, we've um, supplemented the creative that, that it points, to, points to the campaign. We've supplemented with uh, other video content, uh, other lead generation devices like quizzes and testimonial videos and case studies and things like this. And it just keeps going. So um, if you can try and identify when thinking about inbound marketing, because it's a big investment in terms of the amount of content and creative uh, input uh, it requires. Uh, think about what's evergreen. What's what's a really hot topic now and is likely to be in the medium to long term. Um, if it's a tactical, seasonal approach, I I still hand on heart believe the the more traditional methods of marketing or digital marketing probably more appropriate for those short, sharp tactical campaigns. Not to say inbound might. Not, you know, might not have uh, a place if it is part of an o- overarching long-term strategy. And so how do you go about measuring the success of all these strategies, whether they're email, content, or inbound? Yeah, so I like to look at it from the bottom of the funnel up. Um, so once upon a time, as marketers, you know, we, we, we came armed with impressions, clicks, open rates, all these metrics which is still really relevant, but they're they're very top of funnel. Then, of course, clicks, conversions, um, bounce rates, things like this um, are, are the next layer down that we look at. But when I say bottom up, now where we're working with, with HubSpot primarily, but other platforms as well, or um, tech stacks that allow you to see the flow from marketing to sales to becoming a customer to after sales care to customer service to re-engaging with marketing again that whole customer life cycle in one platform potentially or you know in one stack where we can actually see the same um, customer move through all those stages of the life cycle we are really responsible for sales qualified leads the average value of a lead you know are leads from certain channels more valuable than others do they have a higher lifetime customer value are they more likely to convert how much revenue are the leads marketing are generating and influencing i should say um because we're not directly responsible for the leads but we do have influence uh, as well how much revenue are we generating for the business and what does that look like when we calculate a return on marketing investment and what softwares do you use to kind of measure this or? Yeah, so there's a few, obviously. Um, and we are um, Apex number one HubSpot partner. So we absolutely, you know, back HubSpot all the way. It's it's one of the most unified and usable platforms. It's it's CRM, it's marketing automation, it's customer service, it's your, it's your content management system, and it can be a few other things as well. Um, but there's no reason why, you know, it can't be um, Salesforce CRM with Salesforce Marketing Cloud or some combination of, um, you know, we see um, Clavio is really popular in the e-commerce space and has functions that that serve e-commerce and retail particularly well. 
Um, Marketo, of course, on the marketing automation side was, uh, you know, the sort of the sort of uh, big sort of enterprise default choice for for a long time, and and probably still is in some parts of the world. Um, what we're really looking for, without just dropping names, is a unified platform. Like I say, HubSpot is one instance, but there, there'd be a few, um, or a platform that that plays nicely with others. You need a CRM, you need marketing automation, and ideally, if you want to complete that RevOps kind of picture and, and measure every engagement you have with the customer, something that supports your customer service function as well. So could you talk a bit more about uh, the role of HubSpot in your agency's marketing strategy and how it has helped you to better serve your clients? Yeah, so as well as <laughs> implementing and um, solutioning Hub, um, HubSpot for our for our clients and, and in their businesses. We, we use HubSpot ourselves. Um, it comes down to the fact it's a CRM that, that people actually want to use. <laughs> um, two of my business partners um, have a bit of a checkered history with CRM and probably been resistant to using CRMs in the past and they'd, they'd admit that, but they actually love using HubSpot and, and you know they're, they're not finding it a burden to get good data in there as they engage a prospect. And similarly, we as marketers or, you know, people who serve our clients, we're, we're not finding it difficult to, to maintain HubSpot. Um, it's a CRM that, that, yeah, everyone actually uses, marketers, salespeople, customer service. So that's key because, you know, you only get good outcomes if you get good data into the system. Um, but yeah, in terms of what enables us to do, we can switch out calls to action. And I mentioned having the most relevant call to action that aligns with your piece of content and, and where that content probably sits in the buyer journey. We can do that to the nth degree. So we have CTAs on our website or sections of our website where you might see any one of nine or 10 CTAs, depending where you are in the customer lifecycle. So we can always show you the most relevant, most engaging next stop, next step to move you through our marketing and sales funnel, or if you are a customer to move you through um, the most relevant content that's gonna, that's gonna support you ongoing or to give us feedback on your experience working with us. Uh, as a result of marketing automation and good CRM data, we can we can build a profile on our leads. We can nurture them effectively because we can segment and personalize. When I say progressively profile, I'm talking about literally pointing people back to the same form, but because the form is powered by our CRM, it knows what it already knows. It knows not to ask you your country or your job title again, because it's already asked that, it's already captured that data point. So it will dynamically swap out the form the next time you see it and ask you the next question. So we can get really rich data. And then we can build a lead scoring model around that. If we know Alex is from Hypendexter, they're headquartered in New Zealand and Sydney. They've got this much revenue, this many clients. He's a hot lead, his lead score is 50, whatever it might be. Let's qualify him to have have sales take a look and try and engage in, in conversation. Uh, and ultimately, like I mentioned, um, with HubSpot and, and other platforms or you know stacks that, that integrate really nicely, it means we can see almost every interaction across the customer lifecycle all in one place. And that allows us to actually attribute our marketing efforts, our sales efforts, our customer service effectiveness through every stage. Because you talked about AI earlier, how do your teams ensure that your agency stays up to date with the latest marketing techniques and trends mm. in this era? <laughs> yeah, well, so, I mean, we do the obvious things like listen to podcasts and subscribe to newsletters and things like that. Um, but we also do, a few, we commit to a few things that mean we have to be on our toes. So I run the HubSpot user group in Auckland and in Sydney. 
Um, and I do that in both cases with with another agency. Um, so that that's good because, you know, we're, we're friendly with those agencies, but they are, you know, in the competitive space with us. So we want to put our best foot forward when it comes to uh, presenting ourselves at, at, at those those events. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, being well informed on the topics. So I've just come back from a HubSpot user group in Sydney, where we're talking about the influence of AI in marketing, what's happening now, where we see it going. So that required me to engage um, on a deeper level with, um, you know, the, that that particular topic. Um, yeah, so we yeah we'll, we'll book ourselves in for speaking engagements and things like that, where we we maybe aren't confident that we're like the absolute paragon of the expert on the topic but it means you know we've put ourselves on a timeline whereby we've got three six months whatever it might be to get really informed about that topic and and by the time we we step on stage or into the webinar or into the podcast we feel pretty confident that um, we can own a conversation on that topic and then just internally um, we have a lot of showcases um, whereby you know as a marketing team we'll sit down once a month and we cycle around the team each month someone will present back a campaign that they've engaged with online we actually ask that they you know if they sign up for it they they click the click the link go to the website whatever it is the campaign is asking you to do and present back what that user journey looked like what that campaign flow looks like um, and, and not to put too much burden on them, just just present it back and we'll have a discussion what we think is good or bad. What can we learn from it? Where could we um, implement some of these ideas in our own work? And then across department as well. And if you're not doing that in your business, that's something I'd heartily recommend. What is the development team doing that's really cool? Some of it might be really technical and go over your head, but if you if you don't have them show you their work and their wares, then, well, first of all, you won't necessarily fully value what they do and, and how brilliant the work is. But you won't know how to market it in my case, or you, we won't know how to sell it in the case of the sales department um, if we don't get in a room and actually review that work and understand the problems that it's solving. Mm -hmm. So keeping all of this in mind, the last question for you is of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this right now? <laughs> That's a good one. I do often wonder. Um, okay, I'd, I'd like to think I would be making music in some capacity. That was always my my dream from sort of, uh, yeah, from my school years and, and through university. Um, my, my education was almost sort of in the background and my focus was really on... Uh, not just um, not just playing music, but um, sort of arranging and producing and things like that. I think I'm, I'm happiest in the studio. Um, but look, I think I think that's informed me as a marketer, um, and I also studied actually studied film and visual media, so another <laughs> another creative aspect um, uh, alongside being interested in music at university. So I think that's really informed me as a marketer to you know understand visual language um, communications um, in terms of. Um, copywriting i've i actually got told my copywriter is very lyrical and i was like oh funny you should say that because i i aspired to be a songwriter at one point in time so yeah um yeah if i wasn't doing that um something that allowed me to travel hmm. i was going to say now that ai is also going to enter music it's going to be easier to create music <laughs> and so uh it might be a career that can still be achieved even in filmmaking it's laying ruin to filmmaking as well so yeah. it's yeah if you're struggling to write that third verse or that that middle part of the song just ask chat gpt to fill yeah. in the gap for you but also it can mix songs and create new music or I adapt know. music from previous artists so i feel we're going to have a whole new set of djs in the world stage who knows <laughs> it's an interesting time 
All right. Yeah. Well, that was the last question. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrowth Market of the Month. That was Alex Macrill, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Hype and Dexter. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Check out their website for more details, and we'll see you once again next month with another Marketer of the Month.